All right. You like Anthony Mackie? Yeah, I don't mind him. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> and it looks like he's uh, doing a Netflix movie. Yeah, a thriller called The O-Gun. Yeah. Which is, the kind of pitch for it is, he takes his teenage daughter to Nigeria to find a cure for a rare genetic disease. And then she gets kidnapped. And then cue what I'm going to say is generic action movie. This is uh, giving me some real Liam Neeson vibes here. Yeah. Yeah. Which you've said this before, but Netflix is kind of typical action movies. I think this is kind of right up there with some of the other ones they've done. Yeah, I suppose this is like pretty much in line with like Extract and The Old Guard or whatever that one was called. Yeah. So I think it seems like it might be one of those, but I like Anthony Mackie enough. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a decent enough actor. Yeah, and honestly, Netflix is like really expensive, mindless action movies mm-hmm. that they throw up there once in a while just to like keep that that yeah. flow going. I'm yeah. I'm into it. I've, yeah, I've quite liked all of them. Yeah, me too. Like they they've turned into. Just like really good like Friday night movies where I'm just yeah. like, I'm going to shut my brain off, have some beers and watch this action movie and tune out for like an hour 45. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're quite good. Yeah. And yeah. maybe, you know, maybe that, maybe that's Netflix's plan where it's like, you know what, we eventually want to get to a point where we are our own like self-sustaining theater. Like we want to be that family tradition where it's like, oh, we let's watch the newest movie that comes out, and every Friday we'll release a new movie for you and your family to sit down and watch, right? Yeah, and honestly, I'd be super all right with that. And you know, you you got to think too, like with the competition of these streaming services, like they're gonna have to differentiate each other somehow, right? So mm-hmm. you know, a plan like that could totally you know work in their favor, where it's like, hey, we're gonna make these kind of you know mid budget kind of action movies kind of thing and we'll just pump these out because we can do like six a year or however many right yeah yeah for sure and maybe ramp it up with some well not ramp it up but i mean they have enough movies coming out that maybe they do you know the bigger action ones with bigger name stars you know like you said six times a year whatever but then they do some with some like b-list stars yeah you know a few more times a year and then kind of go down the list and like yeah. I'm surprised I haven't seen it. Like either they've they're like working on it in secret and trying to like fine tune how they're gonna launch this, or they have like the stupidest marketing department out there and they should fucking give us a call because like to set something up and bill it in the flow of like Friday night with Netflix where you have like a feature esque movie released every Friday to get that tradition going and then like Netflix is already a household name, but yep. then you take it a step beyond where it's just yep. like everyone's excited. Oh, it's Friday night. Let's like, I can't wait to sit down with my family and friends and watch this new Netflix thing. Yeah. And, you know, you see that with uh, like some do it with the TV show. So like with Disney Plus, The Mandalorian comes out every Friday and that's turned into like every Friday. I'm super excited because I'm like, I'm going to tune into this hour Star Wars thing and it's super exciting and I'm like excited for it. So. Mm-hmm. For them to do something similar would be 
Yeah, but build it out is the whole thing. Like in, yeah. in my head, I'm thinking like back to my probably favorite time of my life growing up was I couldn't wait for Fridays because of ABC's TGIF lineup. Yeah. Yeah, like, that is true. Full, like all week. I'm like, fuck, I can't wait for TGIF. Can't wait to see what Corey and Topanga and Sabrina are getting themselves up to. Like, yeah. Netflix needs to start some sort of fucking plan like that where they're like, hey, look, Fridays are for Fridays are for the family. And like a couple new episodes of some like family-esque show and then a movie that follows. And you like have like a one to two hour like block where like you just get people and families excited about Fridays and what and Fridays become synonymous with Netflix. Friday nights and Netflix. Yeah. That's yeah. the marketing right there. You're welcome, Netflix. Yeah. We'll, we'll send you an invoice. Or, hey, fucking any other studio who wants to beat Netflix to this. Holler yeah. at your boy. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. No, I agree. Anyway, Anthony Mackie, Netflix. Yeah. Um, I'm down for that. Then, uh, interesting. We got some Jeopardy news. Yes, I see this. Ken, like the name Ken Je- or um, is Ken, it Ken Jennings. Jennings. Yeah, yeah. Sounds familiar because he's uh, he's got the all the records for Jeopardy wins. Oh, okay, that's why it sounds familiar. Because like when I saw the picture of him, I'm like that guy don't look familiar. But I've heard the name Ken Jennings before. He uh, he holds the title of winning 74 consecutive games, earning 2.5 million. Hmm. So yeah, he's really good at Jeopardy, and so he's just he's going to be an interim host then. Yeah. So it seems like what they're doing is they're um like they're not going to do like a long time host right now. They're just going to kind of roll in like guest hosts internally. Oh, kind of like when Kimmel and some of those other guys do like in the summer when they take time off, they just get like celebrities to fill in. Yeah. So and to be honest, I think that's super smart because then. You can kind of rotate guest hosts in, and then if you know maybe one is really good, then you can kind of approach them and be like, "Hey, everyone liked Ken Jennings as a host. Want to come do this?" Right? Yeah, it's definitely a smart move, and you get to yeah. try different people out, see who's got the right fit, who's got the yep. I, like Jeopardy is definitely different than you know, like Wheel of Fortune or uh, yeah. The Price Is Right or any of those s game shows, right? Because like you don't you're not wild and enthusiastic and yelling and hyped up yeah. with the fans like you are in some of these other game shows. Like you need to be, you know, calm and collected and respectable and like all that other yeah. stuff. So I yeah. don't, it's, it's not as easy as a fit, right? Like you get some yeah. of those other ones and you're like, okay, let's just find any celebrity or like BC, you know, bottom tier celebrity that's got a lot of charisma and energy. Boom. They are perfect for that. But I feel like this is definitely a different case. You wouldn't want, you know, just Kevin Hart yeah. hosting fucking Jeopardy. No, or Ken no. Jong. No. So it's Yeah. I, I think it's a super smart play. And I think it's getting like the guy that like Jeopardy named him the greatest player of all time. <laughs> so I think to get him to like come in and start hosting some, I think that's that's a cool callback. Yeah. But so. it's super super preliminary. And given, like, I haven't seen what this guy is like as a host, but just the fact that he's, like, the greatest Jeopardy player of all time, I'm already rooting for him to be the new fucking host. It seems like it would be a really sweet transition. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, when I saw this article and I was just kind of reading some people's kind of 
comments online and stuff and, a, and it seemed like the community was like totally on board like hey this is smart you know you can get him on a trial basis to see how he does you know and if it works out bring him in full time right mm-hmm. so it's yeah no i think that's a smart play yeah i'd be curious to see who uh who else is on that list yeah when they hammer down some more hosts but yeah for sure but yeah that's jeopardy news Mm-hmm. seeing more wonderful fucking movie theater chains are dying looks like Cineworld will be shutting down until at least 2021 yeah yeah so they basically are saying that like hey kind of given everything that's going on you know it's just cheaper for us to just fully shut down until the new year where we try to figure out some funding versus try to stay open mm-hmm. yeah I mean, there's. I mean, yeah. Like, what do you do? Like, Wonder yeah. Woman with them, like, doing like a limited theatrical thing in some other countries that aren't the U.S. and then going HBX Mo Max, like in the U.S. Yeah. And everything else that's been pushed, like, yeah. Uh, the holidays are typically a pretty, pretty sweet time for the movie theater chains, but there's yep. nothing to play in them. So, like, this is going to be a massive loss compared to years previous. Yeah. And it seems like they did, you know, they did the math where it's like, hey, even the little bit we earned open, you know, that by just completely shutting down, you know, we, we saved just a little bit more, right? So it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, when you factor in all the fucking increase in utilities and paying employees to be there and... Yep. Yeah, I, as an accountant, I've done that math before, you know, it's... it's yeah. Yeah, uh, this is... It seems like every week we have a new struggling theater story so it's people are probably tired of hearing about it but yeah i get it but i mean it's it's i think the reason or at least the reason i like to keep bringing it up is because like you tell people that this is the shift in the way that we watch movies that this is that like big oh yeah movement and it looks like it is but at the same time a lot of things could change so you're like is it is it not like I, like we're on like a hindering point where this could be the next big evolution in yeah you know theatrical releases yeah and that's why i'm super fascinated with it that and i'm also like i've always been super fascinated with the business side of it you know managing theaters before and then becoming a business major like i just always fascinated by it so but yeah and it's that like you said that transition of like kind of an industry transition you know kind of seeing it unfold is super interesting yeah and like watching it point by point it's like like it's so it's not like one day you wake up and theaters are dead and you're like really what happened like yeah i think we keep bringing it up because we're like okay here's like this here's the first step and towards that possibility and oh you know here's the next event in that you know that chain reaction and the next and the next and then it's like there's no mystery it's like this is cut and dry yeah. And I think this is, you know, we'll eventually we'll see a few more similar or related stories where we'll be like, and this is it. This yeah. is that critical moment. This right here is the event that has permanently fucking changed it. It is done. Yeah. This is the day that theaters died. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, Fun. very, very interesting. Yeah. I'm curious to see uh, with them folding right now for the rest of this fiscal year anyway how soon it'll be before like AMC or Cineplex in Canada follow suit. Yeah. I don't know. 
and like I'll be curious too if they actually get some of this funding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, where are you gonna get fucking funding from? Like, no offense, but even if I'm Jeff Bezos and I got a boatload of money, like I'm not putting any of my fifty billion dollars into a movie theater chain. Yeah, and I think it was I don't know I don't remember talked about it. I can't remember what week, and I don't remember if it was Cineworld, but uh, one of the credit uh, agency like rated their their bonds as like the equivalent of what that housing bubble market crash was made up of. I don't oh. remember which theater chain it was. Um, if it was Cineworld or it it might might have been another one. I to be honest, I don't remember which one. But like yeah, they basically rated them as like super junk bonds, which is yeah, not good. No, not good at all. So yeah, yeah. I'll be <sighs> curious what other theaters do. Like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and more, I would say I would argue this is even more depressing than that theater chain pulling the plug for a bit, canceling fucking Utopia. Like, ah, oh. yeah, and like you're gonna be way more upset about this one than I am. But yeah, it was an amazing show. Yeah, it, for me, it, like it came out of fucking left field. I had never heard of it. Had no idea about it. It was just on the recommendation of a friend. And I got right into it. And I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I watched... I think the first four episodes. And was kind of like, eh. And just kind of like never ended up getting back around to it. And now I probably won't. Hearing this, because... <sighs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I... It was interesting for sure, but... Like, I definitely didn't get the reaction of you did where I'm like, where I'd be super pissed about this news. But, but yeah, I feel you. Well, whenever I invest into a show yeah. and like not only just invest, but invest into a show that like I enjoy and then I get to the end or the conclusion of a season and they leave you on that like, oh, here's kind of the general path we're going to take forward for the next one. And then they just go, actually, no, never mind. It ends where it ends. So like it just... That's where the anger comes from. Is it's like I invested in this, like I found it interesting and captivating. I like the characters, I like the story, I like yeah. the way that it was shot. Where it was like, kind of like mind fucky to an extent. You're kind of like wondering, like, what is going on? I don't get it. You have to yeah. actually think. And then at the same time, it was like very graphic. Yeah, like a comic book television series should be like The Boys. Like it should be full of the violence and the graphic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm uh, pretty not happy about this. Yeah. It, I wouldn't say I'm as mad as, like, when they fucking uh, yanked Ray Donovan off the air. Yeah. That one, to the day, to this day, I think is the most blood-boiling cancellation I've had to deal with. Yeah, that one's rough. I'm um, not as upset as I was about Netflix canceling The Society. Yeah, yeah. The society enough. I got way more invested into than this one, but I'm I'm still disappointed. I'm yeah. still, and I think I'm I think the root of this disappointment comes from my belief that Amazon was on the up and up, that like they just kept getting better shows and better movies, and were like really, you know, putting in the work to try and move themselves up as like the go to for streaming, like with their their show selection and the kind of entertainment they offered. It was like, they just kept going higher and higher. And it was like one amazing show after another. And 
They weren't pulling the Netflix nonsense where it's like, oh, people love this show. Okay, I'm canceling it. Oh, we did three seasons. Pull the fucking plug so we can go buy the back catalog of fucking murder mysteries from the 80s. Like, so it stings a little bit because I feel like Amazon took a step back. Well, it, I, it all depends. Like, I mean, this, um, I don't know what the, like this article saying, like it's sitting at like a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, maybe fair. like it's one of those minor, like minority cases where like, if you like the show, you really like it, but like maybe the vast majority of people aren't into it. And so they're like, Hey, we're going to put money into something that, you know, actually gets views. And, and that, it, that very well could be it. Yeah. So, but I mean, it, it that's always like kind of almost worse is when you've got like you find a hidden gem show that like no one's watching and then it it gets canceled. It's like, ah, shit. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, And you know what? They gave Wayne a second season. So at the end of the day, I'll forgive him. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Rip Utopia. Mm hmm. That's too bad. Or John Cusack. I miss that guy. He's not in a lot. Oh, and Rain Wilson, too. It was nice to see Rain Wilson on the... Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I know he's done stuff, but the other little, like, indie-esque movies that he's done haven't really been my cup of tea, so... Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. We got uh, David Lynch doing uh, a Netflix series. Yeah, they're really uh, going after the big dogs across yeah. the fucking board here, eh? Yeah, because what was it? I think it was last week. They the deal with David Fincher, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So David Lynch is kind of you know up in that caliber too. So like they're they're signing deals with heavy hitting, you know, like TV show people that have done, you know, what a lot of people would say is like some of the greats, right? Oh, for sure. So. Yeah, I feel like this is a a total win in their book. So, yeah, good on Netflix. Like they're not slowing down. No, but it's also nice because there's still that kind of like pseudo pseudo stigma, I guess, where it's like, oh, Netflix content like shouldn't be nominated for awards and stuff like that because it's not real television, it's not real movies. And I think like the more you get these really high caliber high quality top tier writers and directors doing like exclusive Netflix projects, then the more it's like, fuck you, steel Spielberg. You're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we got David Fincher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, no, I think it's, uh, and I think that's like, I bet this is like them getting a bunch of these top tier people is I, I bet one of the other reasons too why they call shows so like cancel shows so quickly is because they're like let's if we're gonna put the money into something let's put it into a big name person i don't know but yeah but my problem with that though is it feels like they're too rushed on it where they're like oh this isn't doing very well like let's you know pull the plug pull the money route it other where other places and it's just like you know there's some shows that take a little bit of fucking time right to get their following. Yeah, for sure. And the real problem with Netflix is they have so much stuff on there. 
that it's super easy for stuff to get buried, right? Yeah. And like, there's been periods of time in my life where like I get busy, you know, with the real world, whether it be work or school or, yep. you know, family stuff where like I don't log into Netflix for like a month or two because yep. I've got all this stuff on the go. So like if yep. if Netflix released a show, put it on the front page and like, oh, here's our newest Netflix TV show. And then after, you know, a few weeks, they move it to a different category. It's not front and center because they got to promote the new stuff. And then a few weeks later, they move it off the like scroll bar and into a lower subcategory on their web page. And then a few months later, it's not on the front page. You have to kind of like dig a little to see it. Well, then I come in and like, I don't see it. And if it hasn't been doing really well before that, and I'm not seeing it and other people aren't seeing it, it could be a long time before we're just like endlessly scrolling through Netflix and go, Oh, this is interesting. Right. You know, like if there's just, I feel like they ax these things a little too prematurely because sometimes it takes a while for not only people to find certain things, but yep. once they find it and spread it word of mouth, right? Like some of the greatest shows of all time were canceled early and a lot of them were before their time, but a lot of it was just like, people didn't know that this show was there. So they didn't watch it. And yeah. then when they finally discovered it, it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. How did this ever get canceled? Yeah. yeah and I feel true. like that's that's a problem that is happening with Netflix is there. Everything is short game for them, right? They need numbers now. They need viewership now. They need to bring in more people now. Like none of their television stuff is really long game. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. In my opinion. But I also feel like, too, like getting... Kind of some of these heavy hitters is them trying to do the long game stuff. But is it though? I mean fucking Mindhunter. Yeah, but that was before and there was all that other stuff around David Fincher like being like, I don't want to do this anymore because it's killing me. But mm, fair. Whereas but... like with these, it seems like they're kind of going out and getting like exclusive deals where it's like, hey, we want you to do like two or three projects with us. Tell us what they are and we'll give you the money. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is them trying to, I feel like at least it's them trying to maybe kind of get that, you know, and maybe it, these just end up being like limited one season shows or something, which that's not a bad thing. If you pitch something that's like, Hey, here's a, a David Lynch one season limited series. That's all it's going to be. Yeah. You know? I, I like the idea of miniseries. My concern comes, though, with them pulling funding from shows that they believe aren't doing super well, but by all accounts are, like, decent shows, so yep. that, that they can sign these deals with these big heavy hitters. I wonder if that's going to, like... I've noticed a shift anyway, and, like, you used to see a bunch of, like, all these Netflix shows where you're like, who is this? Like, I haven't heard of this show. I haven't heard of this writer, this director. I haven't really seen this cast like it's a bunch of unfamiliars and then you know it comes from nowhere and you're like oh wow this is good so i'm curious to see if them routing all this money to pay for the big guys is just gonna lessen their i don't know i guess like creative and risky side of investment in films and tv shows yeah i don't know because well, you got to think like um it was a it was a not random investment but like uh, Stranger Things, like those weren't big name dudes. Like it wasn't like you know what I mean. 
Yeah. And they rolled the dice on that and it turned out to be phenomenal, right? But like if they keep hiring these big hitters, is there a budget to fucking roll the dice on this like unknown project from unknown people? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I I I don't know. That's where yeah. my curiosity goes. Yeah, like I think Netflix is in a weird place right now where they're like kind of trying to sort of maybe shift strategies. It's like how that ends up working out. Like we probably won't know until like a year or two from now when a bunch of this stuff is in fruition. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like one of those weird cases where it's like we're seeing them transition. Yeah. And it's like is if, if it works, we're not going to know. You know, until we start seeing some of this stuff, right? But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless, I'm uh I'm down for a David Lynch Netflix show. Yeah. Absolutely. Hire all the big guns. Yeah. Yeah. What else we got? Amber Heard in talks to play Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because I, I don't know if they've announced anything with the Fantastic Four after they bottled that shit from Fox. No, but, yeah, like I haven't really heard anything involving that or like the X Men or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I don't know if this is and like this is straight up rumor mill yeah. right now. Um. So definitely take this one with a grain of salt, but yeah, be I'd I'd be curious about that. Yeah, I don't think she's the world's most amazing actress, but she's not a terrible actress. No. So I don't know. I never. I to be fair, like I haven't seen Aquaman, so like I don't know how she did in that kind of superhero esque role. That she was fine enough. Well. She didn't have it was a main role, and I thought for what it was, she was fine. Yeah, and like again, like this is just like straight rumor mill. But I feel like the odds of this are actually pretty slim, given that the Fantastic Four is going to be a Marvel movie now, not like you know back in the days when it was a Fox flick. Yep. Which means you know Disney's the head of it, and considering that Disney is so super stringent on public image yeah right like yeah someone called out james gunn's tweet from 15 fucking years ago and they dropped him from guardians like a hot potato yeah and I she's think. she's in the middle of a massive like lawsuit between like her ex johnny depp yeah about who beat the shit out of who and like all that kind of messed up stuff so like yeah maybe that one point there was talks but like like i said given disney's you know, yeah. concerns about public image, I would reckon that maybe they had a fucking chat, but I don't, with everything yeah. that's happening right now, I don't see Disney offering her a position. No. No. So, and it's, they say another rumor is uh, that she was going to be in, like, one of the next Pirates of the Caribbean movies, too. And it's like, I wonder if this was a case of maybe, like, before all the shit uh, mm -hmm. with them was going on, that she was having those conversations, and then maybe those just kind of, like, stalled right out when it was, like, Exactly like what you said. Disney was like, hey, your public image is not the greatest, so we're going to stop this. Um, yeah. And we'll see what happens when all the dust blows over. You know, because it, 
that whole battle between both of them just seems like a fucking mess. Or there's just shit on all sides, and it's like, fuck. So. Yeah, yeah. Just an interesting piece of gossip that I came across that I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean... I mean, yeah. all, all the nonsense aside, I like. Yeah. I don't think she would like be a terrible Sue Storm. No, I don't. I actually don't think so either. Um, yeah, like she's got the looks. Like she kind of got the looks for it. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and mind you, just because and that maybe because who was Jessica Alba? Yeah, played them in those uh, real awful ones. Um, and they kind of look alike, but but yeah, I. I could see this. Well, maybe they just need to reboot that franchise, but bring Jessica Alba back. Yeah, I'd be all right with that. She isn't like, I haven't seen her really do a whole lot as of fucking late. No, like I, yeah, me neither. Honestly, the last couple of things I can like vividly remember her was the Sin City, the second one, and like the final season of Entourage. Oh yeah, that's right. That's really all I can think of when I'm like, what has Jessica Alba done lately? And that's not even lately. That's a while ago. I'm going to look up now. Maybe it's one of those cases, like, I want to say she started, like, some sort of a company or something. So maybe she just, like, transitioned into that. And that's possible. That's very possible. And she got a couple kids, so maybe she's focusing on being a mother. Yeah. Looks like she did a TV show called LA's Finest. Don't recall that at all, but. What? Apparently this is. The spinoff series of Bad Boys films is what IMDb is saying. What the fuck? Is that out now? Is that yeah. older? Uh, I'm looking up the. Oh, yeah. Apparently like September 9th, 2020. Season two started on air, and it's got um, uh, <clears throat> Martin Lawrence's sister in the movies. That was dating Will Smith in the movie. She's in it too. Interesting. I did not know that that was a thing. No, especially I, given that you just said it's called LA's Finest, and the Bad Boys movies are in fucking Florida. Yeah, so uh, maybe it's because she. Yeah, it says it's working for the L.A. Police Department, so it seems like it's them, but well, in who, L.A. Who was the sister? Was it Aisha Tyler? Uh, Gabriel Union. Mm. Huh. I kind of want to check this out now, just because I didn't know there was a Bad Boys series. Well, before I get too excited here, who's, whose is it? What platform is it sitting on? Is this Fox? Is this ABC? Like, who made this? I, I think it's... Showtime showcase Cinemax. I can get behind something like that if this is something like I think NBC, it's a weird one. Fox, CBS, or the Sci Fi Channel. Oh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to take a fucking pass. That show's not going to make it past another season. Yeah, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about that, yeah, Fox fucking cancels everything. And that is true. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we learn something new every day. Yeah. A little stunned that between the two of us, neither of us knew that that was a thing. 
Yeah, me too. But maybe because it's network, and I'm, I'm guessing network news is like some of our less covered stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hmm. crazy. Then we got uh, Mads Mickelson taken over uh, from Johnny Depp in that uh, Fantastic Beasts movie. Yeah, this is this is all a little like ridiculous. Like, not to get like political and stuff like that, but the fact that they're making Johnny Depp resign, I think, is utter bullshit. Yeah, I do like I do like Malkison. Yeah, so. I think he'll do a phenomenal job, but I'm also a huge, huge person who hates when you have some kind of series or franchise and then they recast like a main role with a new actor, but it's the same character that like break in continuity really, really irritates me. Yeah, especially um, someone that was actually like, I'm a big fan of these Fantastic Beast movies. Like, I think they're a shit ton of fun. So, and like, I liked him quite a bit in it um so yeah it's definitely yeah it's weird well and this really won't affect me at the end of the day because those movies never interested me so i have not watched any of them okay so but it's it's, yeah it's just on principle i don't like the the break in continuity yeah it it really ruffles my feathers Mm -hmm. but uh Mads is a solid fucking dude. He's an amazing actor. Hannibal oh, yeah. was killed way before it should have been. Yeah. And even that like super weird action movie he did, I th- I thought was like really fucking good. Oh yeah. Right. The Netflix one. Mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed that. I was like, this just looks like it's going to be stupid, but I don't know what to watch. And I was like, you know what? I, d- I dug it. I dug it. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of him. I, uh, He does good stuff. So, I mean, like, as much as it sucks that they're, like, hitting one person and having to recast, like, it sucks, but, like, at least they got someone like Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. That, you know, at least has, you know, the talent and the caliber that can, you know, maybe shoulder some of that transition, right? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the nice part, too, is, um... I think it was for the first, the first movie. Um, Colin Farrell played the Johnny Depp character as like a I'm a magician in disguise, and then turned into Johnny Depp. Like oh, the, 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 so, so you could play this out. Yeah, which like what I was gonna say is like, you know, in the Harry Potter universe and stuff, people can change their appearance, right? So it's, I think, the writing of it is easy enough. You know, mm-hmm. it's just. Yeah, you know, I never I thought about that. Yeah, it's just how they do that. Because, um, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see how that one plays out. Yeah. But, yeah, it sucks that he got fired because he was all right in that. Yeah, that whole shit with him is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a clusterfuck. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Hopefully all of it gets sorted at some point. 
Yeah, I think we're still a little ways away from it, but it, yeah. I, from what I've read and what I've like seen with like little recaps and like they've released some of the deposition footage and stuff like that, it does not look like it's going super well for Amber Heard at this point. No. It looks like this is going to blow up in her face. And I'm reserving that judgment until like everything is out there. I'm not saying either one of them is terrible. Obviously, it was a terrible relationship for the two of them. Yeah. But until everything's out there, I mean, I don't know who the fucking necessary bad guy was. Maybe they were both douchebags. It was just one was douchier than the other. I'm I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Weird. But I do find it a little disturbing and gross that like this is all happening and everyone's going after Depp like how dare you? She's a woman. You're abusive. Goodbye. No pirates for you. Goodbye. No fucking Harry Potter world for you. They're just like kicking him off and dropping him from like everything that he was attached to in like huge critical roles without, you know, the official verdict coming in on what the fuck was going on there. And yet Amber Heard for, you know, in all regards so far seems to be pretty unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree that people should wait until all the dust is settled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to say, like, hey, we're going to... It would be one thing if they said, hey, we're going to put, uh, you know, the recasting of him in that Fantastic Beast movie or whatever until, like, all the dust settles, right? Or something, yeah. right? Like, it'd be one thing to say, like, hey, we're we're going to delay this movie because we don't know what's what or whatever, right? You know, but... Well, and, and this is no, like, indication of necessarily of how things would go in real life, but I find it a little interesting and kind of humorous that like uh if i recall correctly and i could be mistaken here but a big uh push towards the whole drop johnny depp from pirates was when this was happening there was an outcry and like you know the fans and the well it wouldn't have been the fans but like the pub there's a public outcry like hey this is terrible. Johnny Depp shouldn't be in a Pirates Disney family movie because of all this stuff. That's horrible. We need to drop him. And then there's, you know, some of those change.org petitions. And I think at one point it got up to like 100,000 people signed the petition to have Johnny Depp removed from Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, and he yep. did. But then if you look at it now, I think if you go to the change.org petition to have Amber Heard knocked out of Aquaman 2, it's over 2 million. Yeah, it's, it's so like, yeah, like the outcry against her seems to be like much louder than it ever was for Depp, but no repercussions, which I just like, I, I like, I'm not giving that as like some sort of political commentary on the world or the people or anything like that. But I mean, like if a studio really was to drop someone because they were scared of the backlash and scared that people would boycott their movie by all accounts. Fewer people would have boycotted like Pirates of the Caribbean than are allegedly planning to boycott any future Aquaman movies. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So like it's clearly not a measure of public outcry because the outcry against him was loud, but the outcry against her is even louder. So if studios are making these decisions based on people threatening to boycott and being offended... By all accounts, her career should be completely in the fucking toilet right now, but it's it's not. So, like, I don't know. The whole thing I just find fascinating. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, for sure. 
Anyway. Yeah. Warner Media turned down a $200 million deal with Netflix for Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. Potentially going to HBO Max. Yeah. Which. Yeah, this is interesting. I, uh. I mean, I have both, so I don't really care which platform it lands on. But I mean, I gotta yeah. wonder if Netflix is saying, hey, 200 million, let us stream it. And they're like, nah, we might go to HBO. It's like, how much is fucking HBO offering? Yeah. And it's, well, it's, it's weird because reading the article, it says, uh, um, they reached out to Warner Media, Netflix, and Legendary Pictures, which financed 75% of the film's budget. And Warner Brothers has a 25% stake in the film and controls its release. That is what, that is fucking super interesting. Yeah. So it, which is the interesting part because I wonder if, yeah, maybe some of these talks were happening earlier in the pandemic when they weren't thinking about, you know, dropping their stuff on, on HBO Max. And then maybe now <laughs> Warner Brothers is like, hey, we, we control the release. So, and we got this HBO Max thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I don't know what to say like that. I mean, I guess I'm like Warner Media, Media would fall under the umbrella of Warner Brothers. Yeah. But it definitely is interesting that like the three of them finance 75% of it and Warner Brothers as a whole only has a 25% stake but gets, you know, gets to control where it goes. Like that's just a that's just an interesting business deal all around where you don't put up like you only put up a little bit of the financing for your film and everyone else fills the gaps, but then you remain create like, you know, creative control. Yeah. And like film release rights. Like that's just, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I bet those deals are super complex. Oh yeah. I <laughs> probably couldn't imagine the 500 pages of fucking legal documents. Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah. And I mean, I don't know, when I read they turned down a $200 million offer, like, I look at that and go, yeah, that seems low. You know, for, like, an exclusive streaming deal on, like, a big kind of tentpole action movie, like, yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. You know? I could see that being on the low side. Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess we'll have to see where it lands eventually. Yeah. I honestly completely forgot there was a Godzilla versus Kong movie, so yeah, which I'm kind of curious about because I like I've liked the Godzilla movies. Uh, that King Kong movie though was uh, not not that good, you know. But I at the same time I want to see Godzilla and King Kong fight on the big screen. So oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm excited just for just for that. I I want to see those things fight on the big screen yeah so, yeah regardless where it goes i will watch it yeah probably me too in uh what i think is like the most interesting piece of news from the whole fucking week yeah so dave Chappelle has the Chappelle show yeah and netflix acquired the streaming rights for it yep. and dave Chappelle, who has a relationship with him because he's got several stand-up specials Yep. on their platform doesn't actually own the rights to the Chappelle show despite yep. it even having his fucking name in it yep and he called Netflix and said hey I don't make any money from the Chappelle show 
I would appreciate it if you stop streaming it until the people who currently own the rights, you know, give me back some of the rights or pay me for my work. And Netflix went, okay, done. And boom, just like that Chappelle show gone from Netflix. Yep. I Which think, is just fucking mind blowing. I think this is super telling about the relationship between Netflix and Dave Chappelle. Oh, absolutely. Because like, I don't mean they don't release their analytics or their, or their data, but I got to imagine that there was a fair amount of like streaming for the Chappelle show on their platform. Yep, probably. And for them to just boom, pull it off. And like, that's a money loss for them too, right? Cause they would have had to pay to get the rights to stream that on their platform. True. But I bet that money loss isn't as big as, as if you lost Dave Chappelle. No, absolutely not. I'm I'm like I'm not yeah. saying, you know, current versus end game. I'm just like yeah. in the fact that they would have paid a big chunk of fucking money cuz like over the like Dave Chappelle went, you know, he disappeared for a long time and yeah. he's like, you know, back up to the yeah. height of popularity. Like he's back yeah. to icon status. He's a big deal right now. Mm -hmm. So I know like there's no way that they're not pulling a lot of numbers from there and for them to get the rights to stream the Chappelle show would have cost them a pretty penny like there's oh, yeah, no way sure. it was a, a cheap and easy deal no so God, it's no. just it's it most absolutely like you said is telling of their relationship but it's like yep. how much money did they spend on those rights to a net to just pull it off to keep dave happy like that's we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars at least yep. that netflix has essentially just burned and in the <laughs> long term yeah that's the right move like you said like they don't want to lose Chappelle. they want to yep. keep him there keep him bringing in specials because that makes them money, but at the same time, it's just like that's a pretty big sacrifice on Netflix's end. Oh, and yeah. aside from the telling of their like relationship with Dave, to me, it pleasantly surprises me as a company that they're even willing to do something like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Because most big companies wouldn't. They'd be like, "Well, we have the rights. Too bad. We have the rights to your specials. We have contracts." Like too fucking bad deal with it this is business and business is business to hear to the, this kind of shows like more of like a personal yeah side of netflix that i never thought i'd see yeah and i think this is um you know if you think about it this way how big of a deal it was when dave Chappelle came back it, and it, not only did he come back he came back exclusively on netflix mm -hmm. so it's like and i bet when that deal was made netflix knows what the significance of that would be right because he could have gone anywhere anywhere yeah when he came back anyone would have paid for it like he he would have been able to pick from anyone and so for him to kind of come back and look at netflix and be like i like you and then netflix be like we also like you like i bet it just started a really good relationship on both sides and i kind of agree with you too where it's like a that's super cool of Netflix to like stand by their people and be like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. At the end of the day, I want to know if this is going to have any effect in helping Dave get at least a portion of the rights or some kind of like new contract drawn up for royalties of his show. Because like, if you've like watched Dave in the past, like, like right when he came back, not like came back in the sense of like, he's back as a big time performer, but like, during the Chappelle show, he like ran away, went to Africa for a while, then came back and he was back in the States, but he was laying low. Mm -hmm. But that's when he started to like open up about like 
what happened with the Chappelle show and how things got fucking wild and what they expected and what they were trying to force him to do yep. and then take over control. So like, at least from his side of the story, he got fucked pretty hard. Yep. So like, I, I wonder with him cut, cause he's like, this is like a big deal on the Netflix thing, but he's calling on all of his fans. Like, Hey, if you like me and you support me, boycott, anyone who is fucking streaming the Chappelle show and not paying me for my life's work. Yep. Which like is, I think Showtime is streaming it. Showtime showcase. Uh, they have rights it for could it. Be, yeah. Cause I know it's on crave up here. So like if, if his fans are genuinely following through and boycotting, then you're going to get a bunch of networks who are like, look, we need subscribers. We can't have subscribers not subscribing to our streaming services. Fine. We'll remove Chappelle show. And then whoever owns the rights to it is eventually going to get to a point where they're like, great, we have this fantastic show that people should enjoy, but no one is because we can't get any streaming service to give us any fucking money for it. It's sitting here doing nothing. Yep. Maybe that'll sway them a little bit into being like, okay, we'll give you like a 50, 50 cut of, you know, all the fucking yep. deals. I don't know. It's or, just wild. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of crazy and it's, Yeah. It was. It's kind of crazy that that relationship is strong enough when Netflix just kind of went, "Yep, okay, that makes sense." Yeah, good for them. And yeah, no, that it's super cool. This is like one of those stories that like it's not like a network or a studio like fucking someone over or whatnot, right? Like it seems like it's like a really good relationship that I bet is hard to find in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. So no. That's cool. Good for yeah. good for both of them. Yep, yeah. And then uh the last piece of news and we talked about them doing doing this it's just now we have uh, an official release date. Yep. Which is Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America. Mhm. Got it's official Amazon release date of uh March 5th. Yeah. That's somewhat soon. Yeah. So that's that's exciting. That was like I wouldn't say a cult classic, but it's like one of those, you know, oh, yeah. older classic films that people who've oh, yeah. seen it you talk about it. They're like, oh, that was such an amazing film. I laughed so much. Yeah, it's kind of like those older movies like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and like Uncle Buck. Like I kind of think of it like that kind of era of comedies where like people that have seen them are just like, oh, these are amazing. Yeah, right. that old school comedy. Right. And like I know we talked about the film happening, but we all we I think all we really touched on was that it was happening and they were gonna do the sequel. But like and maybe I just didn't recall, but now I'm seeing like some of the supporting cast, like James Earl Jones, John Amos, Louis Anderson, Wesley Snipes, Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, like that that's a cast. Yeah, that's a cast and a half right there. Yeah, that's uh I've actually never seen the first one, so well, I'm good. I, you I, have three months. Yeah, I will. I will try to watch it before then. Because yeah, yeah, I like Eddie Murphy. So yeah, I'd like to see Eddie Murphy come back to some stand up, but I'll take it in some. I'll take him in some movies for now. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, him coming back to stand up would be good. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's all the news we got this week. Yeah. On what we watched, mm -hmm. you finished up The Sopranos. Fuck me. 
and uh you you gotta experience that ending yeah it's so now like, you now do you realize why everyone hates it yes so <laughs> like i should preface this by saying prior to like me embarking on the sopranos years ago i heard how the sopranos ended yep like i knew it was a diner shot that you know kind of eventually fades to black yep. and that it was left on some up in the air uh make your own conclusions kind of type thing yep but having started but that's all i knew about it so yep. i wasn't sure what it meant by like up in the air you know come to your own conclusion so when i started watching the show and started you know getting through it going into the last season and seeing where the way things were going i formulated in my head i'm going okay just draw your own conclusion in the diner because i know that's the end point and i see what's happening right now throughout the last season it's going to be some kind of pivotal moment where because shit is going crazy with uh, the rival family in New York, yep. that this is going to go one of two ways. Either Tony's FBI buddy is going to be like, look, they're trying to fucking kill you. And Tony's kind of aware of that. So it's going to be like, okay, turn fucking witness and go in a witness relocation with your family or say, fuck the FBI. I'll fight this out like a man. And then, you know, face having to do battle with, the New York family. So I yep. thought there was going to be two clear directions and the diner scene was going to fade out and it's you're going to be left wondering, okay, did he go into witness protection or did he stay and fight the mafia family? But yep. obviously, because you've seen it, that is not oh, yeah. the fucking defined paths at all. Nope. So I was like preparing myself to be kind of bummed out but understandable and accepting of the okay, did he go through door A or did he go through door B? But that wasn't the fucking case at all. They just ended this show. Yep. With no closure on anything. Yep. So yep. I'm I'm like I got I got oh, probably almost as mad. Maybe even exactly as mad as I got with Ray Donovan's yep. series finale. But here's the key difference with Ray Donovan is they were planning for a sixth season. Uh, Showtime had told them they have a sixth season. So they planned that season out and left it the way it did under the pretense that they were going to be able to do one more season, wrap everything up, explain everything, and fucking end it. And right before they were going to film that last season, they were just told, no, it's fucking over. You don't get a shot to close this. Now... I couldn't find anything definitive on the internet, but by all accounts, that was not the same circumstances of The Sopranos. No, I don't believe so. As far as I could tell, going into the sixth season, they were aware the sixth season was going to be their last. Yep. As opposed to Ray Donovan, who didn't know that the fifth season was their last one. So I was furious about Ray Donovan, but mostly because it was canceled. I'm furious about this ending because these motherfuckers knew it. And this was an extended season. Like, all the other seasons were, like, fairly shorter than this one. Yep. This last season was 20 or 21 episodes. Mm -hmm. So they got more fucking episodes. They knew that this was going to be the fucking end. And they, they just left everything wide open. Like, absolutely everything. Like, this, mm -hmm. that's what truly bothered me. It's like, I got absolutely no closure or understanding of what's going on with Tony's kid. Is he... Which side did he choose? The light side where he's going to fight for like injustice and stuff because he was taking those like classes and becoming a little more like the treatment of people is fucking bizarre. Like he was having that inner turmoil you could see when they beat the, him and his friends beat the shit out of the black kid on the bike when he hit 
his buddy's car door when his buddy opened the door. Mm-hmm. You could see that turmoil where he's like, oh, fuck, do I be the tough guy with my douchey friends and go into that lifestyle like my father and, you know, hate black people for no, re- no reason? Or, you know, do I fight for injustice and know that this is wrong? Like, he had that inner struggle and we get no closure on that. No idea what's going on with his kid. We don't get any closure on Meadow, although her storylines weren't as prominent. So it's like, okay, med school, lawyer, take time off. You're engaged. You're not engaged. Like, there was nothing major to close there. Like, Meadow's just living her life. So that didn't really offend me. But then, like, the last couple episodes where the other family goes and starts whacking people, it's like, Sill's in the hospital. What's what's going on with him? Did he make it? Did he not make it? Like, he's in ICU, and they were saying he may or may not fucking come out of a coma. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened to him? What happened to, um... Oh, man, what's the other guy's name? The other main fucking captain for Tony with the gray streaks on the side of his head that I always forget his name for some reason. Oh, um... I can't remember... I can't remember the name either. Yeah, I, I don't... But same thing with him. It's like, well, what... What fucking happened to him? What's going on with him? Like, no fucking closure on his story because by all accounts, he was starting to, um... Like, rebel against Tony... Polly. Right. His name was Polly. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, well, what's going on with fucking Polly? Like, he was kind of pseudo uprising against Tony, but then did not. Mm-hmm. So absolutely no fucking closure on there. All the turmoil with Tony's wife, Carmela. Same thing. It's like she's going through these things. Like she's in love with Tony. She's not. She's accepted the lifestyle. She's trying to pull him out of the lifestyle. She's like always on that fence. You get no answers there. All of the fucking, and like that one episode where just like everybody gets fucking whacked. Mm-hmm. So it's just like one bajillion million fucking questions. Yep. They did not close any storylines. It felt to me like it, it felt like a Ray Donovan situation where they like had this fucking ending and they're like, okay, next season. We'll update everyone and let everyone know what happened with this, 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 and this. And then HBO went, never mind. We're not giving you another season. And they were left holding their fucking dicks in the dark. I don't know. That's obviously not what happened, but that's what it felt like. Because that show ended and there was no closure to any of the story arcs. Not a single fucking one. Yep. And it irritates me. Mm Mm-hmm. And now I truly understand why so many people were so fucking mad with that ending. Yep. Yep. Welcome to the club. Yep. I. It, I. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yep. It's. Some, <sighs> yeah. It's uh, like I. I still love that show, and I still think it's one of the greats. Um, and I've rewatched it a handful of times, but every time I get to the end, I'm just like, man. Fuck. Fuck. I there's some shows that I go back and rewatch. This will not be one of them. Yeah, that's fair. It it was it was a good show in all respects. And again, going in with like a it being like super hyped up and then going in with a critical eye as, as opposed to an entertaining one. Yep. There was lots of little things that just didn't fucking make sense to me. I liked yep. how they wrapped up the Christopher thing where like he admitted in the car crash, like, you got to switch seats with me because I'm high right now. 
Yep. And Tony was like, okay, enough's enough. It's fucking over. And yep. that was another heart-wrenching scene to see. Yep. That was a great scene. Yeah, akin to fucking when they Adriana. had... Yeah. So, yep. like, those are, in, in my opinion, some of, like, the most heart-wrenching scenes of, like, any kind of television oh, yeah. series. Yep. Like, they really fucking hit, hit a guy in the feels hard with those. So, I, like, I oh, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. But, like, with the whole Polly starting to rebel and wanting to be his, like own guy and going against tony but then not actually explore that that really bothered me and it really bothered me too with the inner turmoil that aj was facing and they don't ex- you didn't they didn't explore it anymore so like those two were like major things that had me interested in the show that they just left off not like not even on a cliffhanger it was just like why even put this in at all yeah if you're gonna go absolutely nowhere with it why fucking bother? Yeah, so, fair enough. Like, yeah, that shit kind of fucking irritated me. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are a few other things that happened throughout that season where I was like, what the fuck? But as a whole, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty chapped about it. Not as mad as uh, Ray Donovan, but it's up there. Yep. It's at the very least right after Ray Donovan if it doesn't quite hit the same level. And that's, again, mostly because they had planned for this. They had the whole season. They knew it was the last season. At least Ray Donovan has an excuse because they had the rug pulled right out from underneath them. And it was by no fault of their own how that show ended. But this is all on the fucking fault of the Sopranos. Yep. Oh, the other thing that bothered me, sorry to fucking interject real quick, was Tony's lavish lifestyle. Oh, what do you mean? they, they, they go five seasons where like you know he's the head of the family essentially and he's making money they got their side hustles they run that south jersey whatever the fuck and then for whatever goddamn reason halfway through the final season it's like oh now i'm gonna flaunt my money i'm gonna fly to vegas i'm gonna bet thousands on the horses i'm gonna bet fifty thousand on football games and it just kind of came out of nowhere it's just like why are you adding this dynamic to tony because like by all accounts like yeah he gambled here and there and there was poker and that was referenced you know in all the five seasons but then halfway through season six they decide that tony's going from like that tony all of a sudden develops a gambling addiction and a hard one right in the middle of season six and then they don't really address it it's like the center of focus for several episodes because he's fucking spending money in casinos and like blowing it all and then it just, then they don't talk about it again. It's like, why did you, you spent five years building this character and then halfway through the very final season, you make a pivotal, pivotal shift in his like core characters by making him a gambling addict, but only for a few episodes. And then you like delete that trait and it's never spoken of again. There's no understanding. Like, how did it get to this point? Why is he doing this? Like, it was just, it seemed incredibly random for them to just completely change one of his dynamics so close to the end for no reason and then never address it and only have it play focus in a few episodes. I don't, I don't understand the logic in that one. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I can get that. At least uh, you had a heads up that you were going to get that ending. I never (sighs) did when I watched that show. Like, it, (sighs) it faded to black and I was like, what the fuck like i had no idea like i had never when i first watched that show i i hadn't read about how everyone hated the ending 
I got that ending and I was like, wait, you motherfuckers. So. Yeah, yeah. that was. That was trash. That was yep. fucking trash. It wasn't. And I'm sure the people who wrote that final season and wrote that final episode are like, we're going to go down and television history is like unique and creative and artsy. And this is going to be such a controversial ending. And, you know, that's going to play well for us because people like controversies spark noise and we'll get people talking about it. And it's like, no, you didn't do any of that. You just made a shitty, lazy fucking ending. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So that's my rant on the Sopranos. I yep. fucking unreal. Yep. Yeah, I was uh, I was real curious to see what you thought of that ending because yeah. Well, yeah, the ending in itself, but that whole season, that whole season with all these like going into deep, deep dives on like with character exploration to do nothing with them. Like it's it's. I don't know if insulting is the right word or frustrating, but it's just, it's pointless. Like, I don't understand the logic and I'm not a fucking Hollywood television or film writer, so I don't know. But to like, so late in the game, so close to the finish line, alter the personalities of some of these characters and not give any, you know, like when you alter a character and as the show continues, you kind of start to get a feel for like, why this character was altered, right? Like you explain it after the fact, or you kind of explain it as it builds up to that turning point in that character's like morals and belief system. And for a lot of these characters, that wasn't the case. It was literally just like one day the writers are like, you know what, in this next episode, let's just completely make this character act different. Like nothing has led to this. No signs have pointed to this. No one's going to be able to figure out why. And we're not going to explain it later on. We're just going to change a core dynamic of a character and leave it at that. See if anyone notices. Like, you can't do that. Like, there's no real-world psychology. And, like, I, when I say real-world psychology, I mean, like, in what I just explained, right? You don't see a gradual shift or, like, some event where, like, you see, okay, this affected a character, and this is probably going to change his perspective going forward. Yeah. Where you can understand as this character changes or why the character changed. And it wasn't like that. In a lot of these cases, it was just the character was one way this episode, and then the very next episode, for absolutely no reason, the character is fucking different. And I don't understand why they would do that. Yeah. Anyway, that is my Sopranos rant. Fair enough. It was an amazing show right up until the last season. The last season was not good, in my opinion, with the exception of a few pivotal, pivotal, yep. heartbreaking moments like Christopher's fucking death and some other things like that. But the yep. rest of it, it was just like, <sighs> I wish they would go back and, you know, unfortunately, with rest in peace, Gandolfini. But it's like, fuck, I wish they would, uh, you know, call a mulligan. Just like Game of Thrones should mulligan their whole last fucking season, the Sopranos yeah. should do the same. Yeah, fair enough. Because nothing's more disappointing when you invest in a show. And like, by all accounts, generally speaking, it just progressively gets better and better and more mm -hmm. captivating and more interesting. And then you're even more invested in not just the show, but the individual characters 
and the world that has been, you know, built around them. And then it's like going into the finish line instead of, you know, slowing down to a nice pace across the finish line and everybody's happy. It's like they just shoot themselves in the fucking legs and they're trying to crawl across on fucking bloody stumps. Yep. It's like, what what the fuck? Like, how do you take this, you know, masterpiece body of work and then in one season shit all over everything you've just done? Yep. Yep. Okay, that is legitimately the end of my rant now. Okay. So you watched that Wayne show. I did, and I really fucking liked it. Okay. So really did you watch... really liked it. Uh, like the whole first season? Oh, yeah. Burned through the whole fucking thing in two days. Okay. Loved it. Hmm. I thought it was really good. Couldn't believe that I'd never heard of this up until recently. It's it's unique. It's different. It's It's a romantic love story. But it's founded in like some real like psychological trauma coupled with incredible and unnecessary violence. I, I, I until you watch the show, like it's just it's so hard to explain because it hits you on so many levels. And it's like it's uh, hearing you say <laughs> that it kind of reminds me of Banshee where it's like. It's really hard to explain what that show is until you see it. And then you see it and you're like, oh, okay. Like it almost has that sense. Yeah, kind of like that. I mean, like, I don't know if I could compare it to Banshee. Yeah, that's fair. But like, I get I get what you're saying. And it is like that. It's just like, like you go into a show like Entourage and you're like, okay, this is a comedy. Yeah. Right. Based yeah. based on like pseudo real stuff, it's a comedy. Or you go and watch yeah. Suits, and you're like, okay, this is a legal drama. Like it's mm-hmm. it's got like that de- defined or at least somewhat loosely defined genre. I don't know how to define Wayne because yeah. there's aspects of like a love story there or like a romance there, but there's aspects of adventure and there's aspects of thriller and there's aspects of suspense. And then there's action and there's violence. And it and typically when you do something that like quite literally pulls from so many genres at once, it ends up being such a Frankenstein of a piece. That it, none of it works. Yeah, that none of it works. Like it, it's it's like when they're trying to fire on all cylinders and because of that they don't hit any of them. Yep. This is the opposite of that. This is where they're firing on like so many different cylinders and they're nailing all of them. Yeah. It's it it truly is like I I completely understand like the high rotten tomato score. Like having seen it I'm like wow, like they fucking really reeled me in and nailed me with this love story and like the fucking action is not overwhelming to the point it's ridiculous like Fast and the Furious, but it's enough that I'm like into it and the special effects for when they have like gory violent scenes are you know not over the top where it's unrealistic and gross like a saw movie but realistic enough where you're like you kind of wince a little at the screen like it just every yeah. level that i thought it wasn't going to hit on it fucking smashed and it was i was just blown <laughs> away by the whole fucking thing and i 
am beyond excited for a second season. Like, I can't fucking wait. Especially because if you do sit down and watch it, the ending comes and you're like, holy shit, what now? Not like a suspense, like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. But it's like, like you can tell the way they film this ending, it's, it's like, okay, they weren't sure if there's going to be a second season. So you could walk away from season one and being like, oh, that was just a great story. They wrapped it up nicely, and that's a solid ending. Yep. But at the same time, it's just like, well, if they do get a second season, whew, where are they going to take it? Because that door is still open. Like, right. what's what's going to be the next phase of, of the plan for this, 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 and this? Yeah. At, like, 22 or 25-minute episodes, like, and there's only 10 there's oh, only... so it's a real real quick one. Yeah, so like if, if you are looking for something different to watch, like this might not again, it might not fire fire for you like it did for me. Yep. This is not I don't like don't judge me my recommendation on this based on my like utopia recommendation that we were talking earlier. Fair like, enough. Re- utopia hit well for me, especially yeah. that first episode, but that was just like a weird twisted thing and I enjoyed Utopia. In yeah. Utopia was a was a good show, but it was definitely for like a specific type of audience. Oh yeah, for sure. I think people who genuinely love television shows would love Wayne because okay. it hits on a lot of aspects and it hits on them well. It's yeah. not one of those shows that tries to do multiple things and because it's trying to do too much, it doesn't hit the head on anything. Yep. Yeah. This is the opposite. Like, I, until you watch it, like, I, I don't know how else to explain it. It tries a bunch, and it, it hits all of them. Fair enough. And there's a surprising amount of people that pop up in that show that uh, you'd be like, oh, hey, I know that guy, and I know that guy, and... Uh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, I'll probably check it out at some point. It's just I've got so much on the fucking backlog right now. That's that fair. I, I've got to burn through... Um. The rest of American Horror Story. I got The Crown. I've got a few other things where I'm like, fuck, I got so much to watch. <laughs> so, like, I've I've started watching, like, several shows in the year yeah. 2020. Yeah. Like, I'm just talking about 2020. And uh, excluding shows that, like, I was already invested in. So, like, The Boys, Supernatural, Archer, like, shows that I've invested yeah. into and became into, like, years prior. Yeah. As far as shows that I just started watching and got into in the year 2020... Wayne is my favorite so far. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely check it out at some point. It's just and maybe with it being kind of shorter, twenty five minutes, you know, maybe I'll check it out sooner and later because that's that's an easy one to just throw on one or two episodes when I want to break from like American Horror Story or something. Yeah, they're they're short, they're quick, they're to the point. There's no like nonsensical fucking dragging bullshit out. Like it's pretty. Yeah. So maybe I'll check that out because. Yeah, especially if they're nice short ones, because I've ran out of whose line is it anyway. So that's fair. Like I, I did the whole thing in two days, but it was in two days, one sitting each. Okay, yeah. So it was like I watched an episode, and then like, and it, it has that effect on me where like all of a sudden the episode ends, and you're like, oh shit, it's over already. Okay, one more. And then oh, you're like, okay. oh shit, it's over already. Okay, one more. Yeah. And that for me, that's how it happened for me anyway. So super happy Amazon picked it up because if Amazon didn't, I wouldn't have even known it existed because I don't 
have YouTube originals or anything like that. And I'm even I'm even more hyped that Amazon's like, yeah, we're going to give this thing a second season. And I hope that they allow like the creative heads to come back and the same writers and directors and like keep the show what it was. Like, I hope they don't try to change it now that it's on a new platform because it, it was phenomenal. Yeah, that's good to hear. No, I'm I'm curious to check it out at some point. Mm-hmm. So how are you making out on American Horror Story? So I finished Cult. And eh, that wasn't my season. That's fair. Um, some of the Cult stuff was good. Um, but like overall, I think that's probably the one season where I was like, eh, okay, that was the season that I didn't didn't really like. Um, I just liked all the twists. Yeah, that's fair. Where it's like, oh shit, they're actually part of the cult? Oh shit, yeah. they're in on this too? Yeah, that part was, um, like some of that stuff was good. Like, like it's, it was still a fine enough season. It just, um, like, and I found enjoyment, like, kind of out of that. And, oh, what the main guy's name? Evan, whatever. Evan Peters? Yes. He, like, I thought he played a very good, like, kind of cult person. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that part was, was pretty good. So, like, there were some parts that, um, that I found intriguing, but I think just, like, overall, it wasn't, wasn't my favorite season, but, but, like, there was stuff that I was like, oh, that was, that was cool. Um, so yeah, I finished that season, and then I started on Apocalypse. Yeah, this is the one I think, like, yeah. 84 you're gonna love, just because, like, that genre you're gonna really enjoy. Yeah. But aside from 84, I oh. think you're really gonna like this Apocalypse oh, season. I am. Because of all the fucking tie-ins. I am. So, uh, I'm like seven episodes in. Oh, you're a good ways in. Yeah. Um, and cause I didn't think I would get that far in cause I, the first few episodes doesn't tie anything in and I wasn't really feeling the first few episodes when they're just in that bunker. I was like, I'm yeah, you're like, what this. the fuck is going on? Why yeah. is this? Yeah. I, like I, and I really wasn't digging it. I was like, I, I don't like this so far. And, and then I think it was like episode two or three they like straight up kill everyone in the bunker and i was like okay like where's this gonna go and then the whole show just transitions into the witches and i'm like yeah okay (laughs) fuck yeah i was like that's that was that was probably my favorite season i was like fuck yeah and then they go back to the murder house and like all the people from season one are there and i'm like fuck yeah i was like so now i'm like super into it where i'm like okay they took my favorite season probably and just went back to it and reintroduced it and i'm like so fucking on board for it (laughs) that i'm like yeah this is awesome um so yeah i'm i'm real curious to see where it goes out so i'll probably have that done by next week so how Um, many episodes are in this season uh 10 or 12 look it's not a whole lot because they're they're uh shorter seasons in the later ones which to be honest i think work in its benefit um so it's 10 episodes. Oh, so you're only three away. Yeah. Uh, four. Four away. So yeah, I finished episode six uh, last night, which was when they returned to Murder House. So. Yeah. So like, so like now you understand what I'm talking about with the yeah. whole like r- bringing it full circle because when they return to Murder House, that's where they talk about the Satan or whatever. The, am I correct in that? Uh, the, Well, the magician guy right the magician guy the super powerful one 
Yeah, the dude with the long blonde hair? Yeah. Yeah, that's Satan. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah. And it was how, um, like, the therapist dude was, like, trying to be his therapist, I guess. Yeah. And, like, de facto dad and stuff, so, yeah. So then you got to see all the stuff where, like, to prove that he was, like, the next big fucking wizard, mm-hmm. he had to do the trials and stuff. Yep. Yeah, that all And, bad. like, had to go to Murder House and bring fucking what's-her-name back, or not Murder yep. House, uh, Hotel. Yes. Yes, and brought her back uh, from the dead, which I thought was super cool. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The tie-ins, yeah. like Murder House, Hotel, yep. fucking, yep, yeah, Coven, it's, yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah, and especially because it's tying into like some of my favorite seasons. So, like, that's just making it even better because it's like, oh, they're it's not like they're calling back to Carnival, you know, or something like that, where it was like, yeah, that was a good season, but like they're calling back to all my favorites. So I'm like. Totally on board for this roller coaster. So, like, yeah, yeah. And there's even more, like, they bring back some more fucking people as this goes too, where you're like, oh, that guy, that guy. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes. So, yeah, the only thing that I wasn't overly hyped on was like how it fucking ends, but oh, okay. Yeah. Which, when, when you, when you get there, you'll be, you'll, we can fucking discuss it at nauseum the whole season as a whole was amazing but the way they conclude the season to me i was just like well that's a little disappointing for me Uh, but okay fair enough but like oh yeah i'm like i'm just browsing through the list to try and remember like where they go through all this stuff but like they i assume if you're finished six episodes and getting ready to watch seven you've probably watched they probably discussed the uh kathy bates's character yeah, and she's like a robot. Yeah, and Miss Venom and how Miss Venom became Miss Venom. Uh, like how she came to be the head of that bunker and because she used to be the secretary for the two boys. I don't remember that part. Yeah, like it started with she was the secretary for Evan Peters and his friend who worked in the tech company. I don't remember that. Maybe I missed that. Uh, or maybe I just fucking completely ruined a portion of it. Eh, that's fine. Uh, when you get to the yeah. end of the season, we'll talk about it for sure. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, They do explain, like, that chick who's running the fucking... I could have swore because you knew fucking what's-her-name was a robot, but they explain why she's a robot, how she got to be a robot, and her relationship so- into things, and... They have explained that she's a robot and that someone built her, but they didn't go into why they like. I don't think they've gone into that. Okay, like, well, I'll, too much I'll deeper. Just, yeah, I'll just stop talking. You got a lot more fucking tie-ins and surprises to go. Yeah, fair enough. And I think that's because like the last few episodes, like where they first introduce all the witch people, it's flashbacks to before the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And so I think the next episode is like maybe it'll be when they shift back to present day, and maybe that's where some of that stuff happens. Oh, maybe yeah. I forgot the timeline kind of jumps back and forth throughout the season. Yeah, so maybe that's the case. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, really liking the season so far. Good. I I figured I figured this would be one of the seasons that you love the most. Yeah, because I I really like that witch season. So the fact that it's just basically another one of those is totally on board for me 
Now I can't wait for you to get through this one so we can finish talking about it and then we can start talking about 1984, which also has tie-ins to previous seasons. Yeah, I'm real excited for 1984 just because of that. I love that campy 80s genre. So Yeah, and because of that, I that's why I think you're going to absolutely love 84 because of that campy drama shit. I, I, think, it, uh, I, think, I think I will too. <clears throat> so yeah, that's this week's American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. You watched... What is what is Moonbase Moon Eight? Yeah. So what is that? That is John C. Riley and Fred Armisen. Okay. And they are living in the Nevada, no Arizona desert, outside Winslow, Arizona. Okay. In a mock-up uh, moon base for NASA, I guess NASA has set up pseudo like moon bases, but all over Earth, so that ask potential astronauts to go to the moon could work and live and simulate what it would be like if they were to actually go and live on the moon. Okay. So they have these bases set up throughout America, maybe country, maybe in different countries. I don't know. They haven't overly addressed that part, but basically they have a moon base and then you have like a, a suit and you're in like the harsh dry desert and they get like rocket refuels, like a rocket comes in and will like top up their water and stuff. But of okay. course, because this is all on Earth and it's a simulation, it's actually like a flatbed Ford with like water tanks on it. Nice. But they're supposed to pretend that it's like a ship coming in and docking on their moon base. So they have to treat this whole thing as if they are on the moon. There's protocols they have to fall, follow. NASA periodically sends them like a message with like, here's your new task where they have to do this or that and follow safety protocols and all their training and basically if they do well enough then when it's time to send another person to the moon nasa basically looks at the different moon bases on earth where they're doing these simulations and picks who they think are like the right candidates right and they get to be the next one so it's kind of like a competition in a way okay and they opened it up to like everyone so it wasn't just like scientists only are the ones living in these moon bases. Oh, okay. So it's like everyday folks can... In some out. regards. Like John C. Riley, I think he's got some kind of like interesting background, but he was basically like on the verge of like, he, fi- like he filed for bankruptcy, was losing his home, and then applied for this NASA program, and now he's living in Moon Base 8. Okay. And he's living there with this other guy that they call fucking Rook. And okay. he's, he's like a, a heavy Christian guy. Who joined the program and hopes to go to the moon so that he can spread the word of God on the moon. Okay. And then the other guy that lives with him, uh, I can't remember what his nickname is, but uh, it's, he's played by Fred Armisen and he's actually like a MIT graduate and like his father was the one who designed the spacesuits for NASA. So he's actually like a super smart, uh, okay. highly qualified guy. But it's just the three of them living in this like fake moon base in the desert and like going through the trials and tribulations of pretending they're on the fucking moon. And if this goes wrong, how do they handle it? And if this goes okay. wrong, what do they do? And it's billed as a comedy and it's it's interesting. There's some parts that are like funny, but to me it feels kind of like and I didn't make it all the way through Space Force. Like I just watched bits and pieces when it was on when I was around people. But Space right. Force felt like it tried to be serious and funny at the same time, and as a result, it wasn't either. Right. Whereas this one definitely is leaning more towards a comedy, so it like hits on that a little bit more. Right. And it's John C. Riley, so like it is funny. Yeah. It's but like 
I don't know. You'd have to watch a trailer for it. I wouldn't say it's the most outstanding show I've ever seen. I wouldn't rank it high in my comedy list. It's just been an interesting, after the frustration of The Sopranos and then the utter joy with Wayne, I was like, what should I what should I attempt to uh, get yeah. through next? And I just happened to come across Moonbase 8 because it's like a brand new show. Like I okay, watched yep. the first six episodes. I think it's a 10, 10 episode season, but only the first six are out so far. Okay, yep. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes. But it's it's been moderate. It's been interesting. It's been okay. Yeah, nothing. Nothing's always got to be a banger, right? Sometimes you no. just need an all right little show. It's at the end of the day, what it's going to be is like a show that like I'll probably continue to watch, but it'll end up being a background show. Yeah. Unlike The Office, like I want like Parks and Recs, The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Community. Those are background shows, but that's because I've rewatched those seasons so many times that like at any point on when it's on in the background, I can just look at the screen and I know what's happening, what's going on because I've seen it so many times. Yeah, pretty much. This is more going to be the kind of background show that you put on and like. If you pay attention, you pay attention. If you don't, you don't. It is what it is. Yep, pretty much. So, it, yeah. yeah, interesting. Not terrible. Right. Not amazing. But it is what it is. It's. Yeah. I almost started in on Lost, and I was like, I don't know if I can fucking sink the time into going yes. through all of Lost right now. Lost so. is it's a big one because it's network, so it's like twenty four episodes each season, and there's like seven seasons. Yeah, and they're like a fucking hour long each. Yeah. Well, they'd be they'd be a network hour, so I think they're like thirty nine minutes or something like that. Forty two, I think, is network 30, hour. Uh, yeah, but yeah, like that, yeah. Nonetheless, that's a massive undertaking, and it's oh, something yeah. that, like, for a long time, of like everyone talks about Lost being one of the greatest shows ever. I should probably watch it. It's it's one of the greatest shows ever in the sense of like it was kind of like when peak prime time was good, you know. But with it also being a network. You know, there is some trash episodes, right? Because it's a 24 thing. They're writing it as they're going. Um, but there is some really, really cool stuff in it. So, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I'm, I've am i been debating it for a long time, and I almost pulled the trigger, but after the tremendous amount of time it took me to get through six seasons of The Sopranos, I was just like, I don't know yeah. if I'm ready to take on Lost yet. This might have to be a down-the-road thing. And that's fair. And I actually, I, I've been wanting to go through Lost again, just because I've I haven't gone through it in a really long time. And it, it's it's one of my favorite shows, just because of a lot of the stuff they do and stuff. And a lot of people were upset with that ending, but I was not one of those. I thought it ended perfectly fine. Well, um, and that's an, that's another thing too. It's like I when it first came out, it was something I wanted to watch, but never like found the time. I was always interested in other things, and then it yeah. ended, and I managed to go a good. I'm going to say at least four or five years without knowing how Lost ended. Okay. Until someone casually brought it up in conversation when we were talking about shows and they were like, I hated the Lost ending and how they all found out they were fucking dead or whatever it was. Yeah. So I kind of, I'd be again going in. Yeah. Knowing how this all fucking wraps up and yeah. I'm I'm debating whether or not that's going to pull away because like for those who watch Lost from the beginning to the end without knowing the ending, you know, there's that certain whimsical what's going on, what's going on. And I'm terrified like Mm. going in if I know that it's because all these people are like dead in heaven or purgatory or whatever the fuck. Like, Uh, so if that's going to change my fucking view, because like the whole thing about Lost is you're trying to figure out what's going on on this island. I know what's going on. 
Is that yeah. going to ruin the fucking magic of um, it? No, I don't think so. Um, it, like it'll it'll ruin some, but at the same time, on a lot of people's lists, um, of like greatest episodes of TV, um, Lost has got a handful in there that have nothing to do with the ending. So, mm. like, and because it's that, you know, kind of network style. Here's 24 episodes. What you end up getting is like, yeah, you get some episodes where it's like, okay, that was a filler episode, but you also get episodes where it's like, here's an episode dedicated to this one character and like their backstory, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of those are really good, right? So, and it's, and like, you knowing that ending, like, would it take away some of it? Yeah, for sure, because it's the whole mystery of it, but at the same time, I actually think it would be kind of cool to try to piece together how they get to that point, like, while knowing it. Yeah. And kind of, like, seeing how, like, knowing that and you're watching it kind of going, like, okay, okay, so this big thing isn't really relevant to them being dead, but it's a major plot of the show, right? Because so there's major plots of that show that have nothing to do with them being dead. Yeah. And them just trying to figure out what's going on on the island, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, maybe I will give it a go. I'm undecided. Yeah. It's something I want to do, but it's something I'm very hesitant to do. Yeah, it's a big commitment. Yeah. It's so big. Yeah. That's fair. And the other thing that I stumbled across, and by stumbled across, I mean didn't know there was a documentary about it, was that Inventor out for Blood in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah, that was a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah, like, really I, good. I remember like back in the day when like Theranos fucking came to be and yep. how it was raising all this money. And I remember reading articles about her being like the Steve, the female version of Steve Jobs and the next big thing and like the youngest self-made female billionaire and yep. da 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 da. And then I just remember headlines about it all being bullshit and just kind of was like, oh, fascinating and left yeah. it at that. And it wasn't until I was listening to one of Joe Rogan's podcasts where he was talking with Tony Hinchcliffe and somehow they ended up on the topic of it and they were talking about Theranos and how like that all played out and Tony Hinchcliffe was talking about the HBO documentary. So as soon as I heard there was an HBO documentary about it, I was like, oh fuck, I have to see this. Yep. And it was fascinating. Yep. Just how fucking bold of a lie it was where it was like, this just straight up doesn't work. But we're gonna tell everyone it does. Yeah, and like <laughs> the thing is, is like at the big, it's it gave me some weird feelings because I was with her to a certain point where it's like I can understand where like you have this idea, you get the funding, you start building your company. Now it's trial and error to try to like bring a proof of concept to life. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And by all accounts, it could have been one of those like, okay, look, we're not there yet, but I have hope. Like this is this is doable. We're going to keep going. We'll get more funding. And then, you know, the whole wild ride that comes with it, like as she's developing this, she's worth a lot because the company is being valued at a certain amount and da, 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 da. And I genuinely believe in my heart that she genuinely like knew that parts weren't working, but thought that she could get there eventually. Yep. To a certain point. Yeah, I think for the first bit, that's how it was. That she yep. was like, okay, we're not there yet, but we will be. I have faith we will be there. I have faith. Yep. 
I then I'm like towards the end, she was like, oh, no, we can still get there. And like, oh, I didn't know that we were doing this and I didn't know that. And yeah, you didn't. (laughs) That's when I was like, "Hey, that's a fucking crock of shit. You you were being touted as like the female Steve Jobs and like Steve Jobs is your fucking idol. So like you're not giving that up. You're not going to give up the money and the fame and the notoriety and the hype and like you know you like at a certain point you knew full well that this wasn't working and you had a fucking ethical and moral responsibility to say something or do something and you just kept taking funding telling people that it was working and lying and the whole like no we didn't we didn't it just yeah. I don't I didn't know this and I didn't know that is like bullshit fucking yeah. bullshit you're yeah. a fucking liar like I think the point um in the documentary or like you get that strongest feeling is like when they're like okay so we're going to show you how it works um so they take a sample and they're like all right we'll test it we'll be right back and then they go do something and then they come back and they're like see how how like it works and it's like meanwhile they like knowingly you know took that sample and like ran it through a bunch of other tests that had nothing to do with the machine yeah <laughs> to bring back the results and it was like yeah there's no way you didn't know that was happening yeah, you're going to tell me you thought the machine fucking worked and when you went to like give your investors a tour, you thought you were just going to come back like you didn't know that an engineer ran into the room, grabbed the sample, ran it downstairs, ran the fucking test like fuck off. Yeah, exactly. It's like you you willingly knew that. <laughs> well, you're plain ignorant now. Yeah, and not only that, but it's just like you had all of the other normal machines in your lab. If yeah. your machine worked, why did you need multiple of these like normal lab grade ones that have to run all these tests? It's so you that they could run them. the sample and all of those other machines and say it came out of this one. Yeah, like just fucky. And hearing those like horror stories of the engineers that are like, here's how the thing was supposed to work, but it would move around and it would like break vials open and then smash yep. around and like blood would end up all over the inside of the machine. And uh, yep. And all this other stuff. And like we were getting samples from like homeless people to trial this. So like they could have had hepatitis or HIV. We didn't know. And yep. And then the machine malfunctions and there's live needles in there. And I got to stick my hand in there around all these blood soaked HIV needles to pull shit out. It's like, yep. holy fuck. Yep. Yeah. It was a crazy story. Well, not only that, but all the FDA filings. Like, I remember the one scene in the movie where they have that massive party where they, like, bring her in that fucking... I could tell right off the fucking get-go that that sunny guy was going to be one sketchy piece of shit. Oh, yeah. And they bring him up onto the fucking stage and her up onto the stage and they're dancing to MC Hammer's Can't Touch This and they're like, we did it! Like, fucking FDA approval, this is amazing, like, this is the next step. And then, like, in the documentary, they're like, oh, yeah, except... You know, their FDA approval was they got FDA approval to run a single test on one type of thing. And that didn't include like the other 200 things they needed fucking FDA approval for. So like this massive celebration for for nothing. It wasn't a milestone. It wasn't anything, but it was just misleading to everyone in the company. Like it's just so mismanaged and so full of lies and so like i went i went in like rooting for her and thinking that she got the bad end of the stick and then thinking that she kind of like you know fucked herself over by being one of those like i believe we can still do this and i'm gonna have faith even though we're not there yet i'm gonna give it my all and not give up and then by the end of it i'm like you're a fucking con artist plain and simple you're full of fucking shit you knew this didn't work 
Yep. You're just a fucking, you're a panhandler. Yep. Pretty much. Wild. Absolutely yeah. fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good documentary. Big speaking, speaking of documentaries, mm-hmm. I forgot to fucking add it to the list, but uh, okay. before I went to bed last night or the night before, I was in a documentary mood. Mm-hmm. So I happened to decide to watch Beyond the Curve on Netflix. Oh, that one is so amazing. You seen that one? Oh, hell yeah. It's so amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so amazing. So I've like, I know one person in real life who's like an actual devout um, flat earther. Okay. I I won't say his name, but you actually know him too. He went to school and he's in your grade. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, Won't say names. No. So anyway, I haven't like really talked to him about it, but I know other people that have had like these lengthy arguments about flat earth theory with him. And the most amazing part of that documentary was when they had the psychologist sitting there talking about how like scientists will formulate some kind of belief and then they'll look for evidence and then the evidence will either support what they believe or disprove it. And then they go from there and then explained how like, People like the flat earthers, what they do is they form their belief and instead of just going out and looking for evidence that could go either way, they only go out and look for evidence strictly that supports their belief Yeah. and cherry pick data specifically to support their belief. And they're using all of this only to build up their belief instead of looking for whether their belief is valid or not. And that those type of people are the worst people to talk to because when you have a belief and you're only looking at stuff that supports your belief and you're not open-minded enough to see anything beyond what you want to see and believe that you can't talk to those people because no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you're lying, you're a shill, you're a sheep, you're making things up, you don't understand. And it it honestly, like, that whole little spiel by the psychologist changed my perspective because, like, that's true for a lot of people. Like, I've gotten into um, these kind of debates with, you know, the group of people that believe essential oils can literally fucking cure everything. Yeah. And I've and I've had these kind of heated debates with people that don't believe in vaccines, people that are anti-maskers, and I would always like start these debates with them and then I would get frustrated because I'm just like how can you be so blind to science and proof and you're not open-minded and then these people would call me a sheep because I'm not being open-minded and seeing the world for what it is and I I just I could never wrap my head around how someone could be like that. But after that psychologist did his like little blurb as to like what they're doing, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, like that's, it, that's why it's yeah. genuinely true that you shouldn't waste your breath arguing with these nope. people or talking to them about it nope. because no matter what the facts are, no matter what the science is, they have a belief they're sticking to it. And if you say anything that does not support their belief, then it is immediately dismissed. Yeah, that's why I just, I've never gone down that road. I'm just like, nah. I, I'm just like, oh, cool. Yeah, good for you, bro. I do all the time, but, but it just, it was like, oh, yeah. okay, that, like, that makes fucking sense. And it's unfortunate that people can't be open minded about things, right? Like, to be yeah. so firmly stuck that no matter what, your belief system is right. Like, I get, and they, they wrapped it up nicely in the end there where they were talking about Mark Sargent at right before he like put on that electric bow tie and the electric sunglasses to go present some kind of award. They were talking to him about like, 
if he, you know, all of a sudden came across some proof that the Earth was round and it disproved all of his theories and it actually caused a change in that belief in him where he actually, like, deep down was like, oh, fuck, I was wrong. Like, would you say anything? And he, and he pretty much was basically like, I honestly probably wouldn't because he's isolated so many people in his life by believing yep. what he believes and now all of his friends all of his all of his following he owes his life to this new theory and yep. if he found out that it wasn't true that changes his life in every single way shape and form it changes yep. the people that he associates with it changes the things that he does and you know his mission's life and because of that even if there was irrefutable proof he wouldn't take it he wouldn't accept it because it would affect his whole life yep and it's just fucking sad and savage, but yeah. all of that was like the most interesting part. But I absolutely loved when those fucking idiots from Globebusters were performing their goddamn tests to prove the Earth is flat. And, and they go, it, oh, the Earth rotates. The Earth yeah. rotates 360 degrees every day. So that's 15 degrees an hour. Here is a $20,000 high pre precision device that tracks like it's a gyroscope so if the earth really is round and rotating then this thing should move 15 degrees every hour let's find out okay so it did move 15 degrees every hour but we think that that was just interference so we're <laughs> going to put it in this special vacuum tube yeah and try again yeah oh it still moved 15 degrees an hour okay obviously there's still more interference so we're going to construct a bismuth tube yeah. and put it in there Oh, it still moved 15 degrees an hour. Well, huh. That's really weird. Something's not right here. Oh, I know what it is. The Earth isn't round and it's not spinning. We have atmosphere above the Earth and the atmosphere is moving. And it's yep. like, oh my fuck. Yep. It's a, it's a super fascinating documentary. Oh my god. That, like, listening to that conversation, it made my head hurt. Yep. And the very last experiment they did where they're like, oh, we're going to put this light at a certain height and a camera. Yep. We're going to put them both at 10 feet and shine the light. If the earth is fucking round and has curvature, then obviously we're not going to be able to see the light on the camera that are pointed directly at each other in the same spot. Yep. And then they turn on the light and they go, oh, we can't see the light. Do you have it on? Yeah, I have it on. That's really weird. We can't see it. Can you move it around? Uh, yeah, here, hold on. Oh, I can see it now. Where did you have to move it? Yeah, I had to lift it above my head. Oh, yeah, this isn't right. And then they fucking wrote it off that there was bushes that were in the way, and that was the problem. And it's yep. like, you... So, like, these guys doing these experiments, finding the data that proves them wrong, and then immediately dismissing the data that proves them wrong. Yeah. Yep. It just irritated me, especially because that one big guy who was talking about the gyroscope, the $20,000 gyroscope, yep. was calling himself like a fucking engineer. And he's like, oh, well, you know, like I'm the fucking engineer and I do this and I do that and I do the IT for this entire town and I'm a forensic science expert and I'm this and that. And then you like find out that he's not like he's not an educated in any way, shape or form. But he's running around calling himself a forensic expert and a fucking engineer and a this. And it's like, you're none of those things. Yep. Yeah, it just it's it's a oh, fascinating it's, documentary. Oh, yeah, it was made my head hurt. Yeah, fair enough. 
That's all I watched, though. Like, we can move on to Tenant now, but we were just talking about documentaries, so I wanted to bring nope. that one up because I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Nope. That's fair. It's it's a good, It was a good one, so. Yeah. So and you then, finally watched Tenant. I did, yeah. So, uh, spoiler warning for Tenant. Um, oh, don't spoiler. I haven't seen it yet. I know you've seen it. <laughs> um... Yeah, I finally watched it, and uh, I actually really liked it. I thought it was really cool. Can I ask you one question right off the hop? Yep. Did you find it to be incredibly too fast-paced? No. No? No. And oh, get um, off your fucking high horse, you liar. No, and it's... So, hearing what you said about it, going in, I was kind of like, okay. I, like, I was kind of waiting for it, and how that movie starts... I was like, okay, so it's going to start like this. And then uh, there's that point where uh, John David Washington is talking with the scientist and he's learning about the inverted stuff. Yep. And she says this specific line that at that moment I changed my thought on the movie because I was like, that's why that line is there. Uh, She was like trying to explain it and she was like, and she said this line to him. She was like, don't think about how it works. Just feel it. And I was like, okay, that's the movie telling the audience, you don't need to know how any of this works. Go along for the ride. And that's fine. And I was like, alright. Let's go. Away it went. Fair enough. I still felt that they blew through things too quickly. The pace, like when I say the pace, like I mean the whole pace of the film. Like yes. The very first time he meets up with uh, Twilight there, mm-hmm. and they're sitting and talking, and then yep. they're like, oh, yeah, we can go talk to this one dude who's an arms dealer. And then literally, like, one second later, they're fucking looking at the building and then scaling it. Yep. Like, yeah, that's, th- that's what I meant by fast pace. It was oh, like, yeah. we need to go to the building. Next scene, they're flying up the building. Okay, so, we need to go talk to this person. Snap. Next scene, they're talking to that person. Like, yeah. it was just... I, I will say the pacing is very quick, and you're either going to be all right with that or you're not going to be like if you're not on board for that movie not letting you catch your breath for two and a half hours then you're not going to like it as much right but Mm -hmm. as soon as i kind of realized how quick it was and what they were going for i was so on board for it that i was like all right let's go um but i definitely recognize that side of it that not everyone is going to have that reaction well, like that didn't like yeah. it was still a good movie to me. I still oh, yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was fascinating. It was oh, like yeah. a really unique <clears throat> take on time oh, yeah. travel, but not time travel. Yeah. Right. Like that whole fucky thing and like the general idea and concept of what was happening. I understood. And it's it's not that it ruined the movie or made me dislike it anymore. It's just the the fast pace nature of it to me didn't feel it didn't feel to me like, oh, this is fast paced because we want you to just feel it and not think. To me, it the pacing was like, this movie's already almost three hours long. We had to fucking cut it down. And unfortunately, that meant transitioning from scene to scene was not going to be like a regular gradual transition. It was going to be immediate and it was going to be now and it was going to be quick because we have a fucking time allotment for this film. That's how it felt to me. I didn't like it didn't ruin the movie. Yeah. I still enjoyed it, 
but I I'm willing to bet if they were able to like, you know, if like the studios were like, no, you if you want this movie to be three and a half hours long, I feel like Christopher Nolan would have been like fucking rights taking it, and it wouldn't have been as fast paced. Eh. Is my feelings towards it? I yeah. don't know. I'm not Christopher know. Nolan. I'm not in his head, but yeah. I think it would have been a slightly different paced movie if he had more time with it. And yeah. I and I don't think that would have changed the movie like at its core. Like I just think it would have allowed for more, you know, for a more gradual pace as opposed to such a fast one. I don't think it would yeah. have taken anything away from the movie as a whole or made it worse or any less exciting. Yeah, yeah, I I can see see that side of it, and I think that this is just a case of like kind of maybe our, our mindsets going into it because yeah, like. Once they kind of gave me that line, I was like, all right, let's just go and let's just uncover this story. I was on board with it, but I, I totally, I totally get your side. I totally get why they say that. I think that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it was super cool. Uh, th- that man's sense of time. I, w- I, I would love to know the pitch he gave to Warner Brothers to get that thing greenlit. Yeah, because I mean, how do you wrap that? How do you sum that whole fucking movie into a pitch? Yep, exactly. Because, um, yeah, it's, uh, man, the people who uh, had a trip about how Inception worked and uh, that ending are going to have a field day with this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I once I I finished it, I I had a pretty good sense of of where it went and then like reading some stuff online i was like okay that's kind of what i thought too so i was like all right that that seems good enough yeah see i think the difference between this and inception though was you get to the end of this and like maybe it's a little confusing sure but it but but it 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 comes full circle yes whereas Whereas inception does not yeah with inception you're at the end you're left going well which is it is yeah. it a dream world or is it the real world? Like yeah. you're left to try and make your own decision as to whether you think it's all in his fucking head, everything that happened, yeah. or, you know, if he finally got out and gets to live out his happy ending, right? Like it's up for interpretation and debate. Yeah. Whereas this one's like, it, no, it you may not out, be able yeah. to understand it, but like you, you know how it fucking works. Yeah. It, it, it kind of comes full circle. Like you, you, you find out all of the answers that that movie kind of, gives you you know mm-hmm. right where it's like what's tenant why why did he join it what's all this thing it's like you get that answer at the end of it right so yeah but uh yeah it was cool um yeah i, I had a really fun time with it yeah it was good i'm surprised it took you this long to finally watch it yeah yeah i can assure you that it was amazing on an imax screen yeah, that is um, that is one thing that I really wish I would have been able to, but it was, yeah, IMAX would have been great, but yeah, because yeah, his movies, especially when he because sh- he shoots them in IMAX too, right? So, yeah, like he's one of the few people that does that. And he's also one of the few people that has broken an IMAX camera. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it was when he I can't remember what he was shooting. Um, but he broke one and those have a price tag like in the millions. Oh yeah. And, uh, that also, 
like if I remember reading the article, like he broke one and that caused Warner Brothers to get like a new insurance policy for his movies going forward that covered IMAX cameras because there's only like three of them in the world and he broke one. There's only three in the world. Uh, there's not a whole lot. Like there's uh I'll look it up right now, but there's not there's a, not a whole lot of IMAX cameras. Like if you want one, it's a big deal. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. How many IMAX cameras are there? There is twenty six in the world. Okay, well twenty six is a little more than three. Yeah. I thought there was Yeah. It's so it's still pretty limited though. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and apparently and, it's there they cost around five hundred thousand. So maybe it's not in the millions, but it's like expensive. Yeah, that's still a fucking that's still an expensive ass camera. Yeah, and I wanna I can't remember which movie it was, but he like absolutely just like destroyed one by accident. Yeah. And I mean, I was reading an article too after I watched that movie that um how when he crashes the plane into the hangar, um, he did that practical because it was cheaper than the CGI. So he was <laughs> like, I'm just going to buy a plane and do this. That, w- that was cheaper to do it than to render like CG- like a CGI plane and make all of the CGI effects. He-, he was like, it was cheaper to buy a U-747 and roll it into a fucking bunker. Wow. So that's what he did. Yeah. He was like, I just bought a used plane. And it also reminds me of the story of, so you know Inception, how there's all those cornfields? So he actually bought no, you're all... Th- you're thinking Interstellar. Oh, yes, Interstellar, sorry. Yeah, he um, actually made his own cornfields. Yeah, and then he sold it after the movie and made a profit. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the guy likes practical, and I love practical, so... I, I think practical effects are always better, but... Oh, for sure. But yeah, I, I had a really good time with that movie. So, and it was, but I totally get why people would not like that pacing. Like, I totally get why, why that's, I totally get that. Yeah, like, and don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. I still thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I thought yeah. it was a great time. I loved, yeah. like, the whole interesting nature of it. It was, it was yeah. very well, I, and I had a great time. I, the Christopher Nolan is, he's, yeah, he's fucking Chris- Christopher Nolan. Yeah, he's, he's Christopher Nolan. So, like, thoroughly enjoyed it. The yeah. only thing, and it didn't take away, it didn't ruin the movie, is I just, the pacing for me... Didn't hit. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, it just would have been nice if they just slowed the pacing down. Yeah. But I understood why it was where it was. Because given yeah. the length of that movie and given how much material needed to be covered, there's no way they could have slowed that down without adding like at least an extra 30 to 40 minutes to that film. So yeah. I... I I got it and like yeah. I and I could be wrong as to why the pacing is that way. Maybe he actually wanted it that way, but to me, I got the feeling that he paced it because it's hard enough to get people to sit for, you know, ninety minutes, let alone two hours, let alone like two hours and forty minutes. Like when you get into that like three hour range, like you're really pushing it and like there's statistics that show like blockbusters that like breach that three hour mark, even though they're blockbusters don't do as well as like shorter length ones, just because that's a big time commitment for someone who would be like, Oh, I'm going to go see a movie at the theater for three fucking hours. Yeah. Yeah, But again, I could be wrong. Like I'm not Christopher Nolan and I don't, I can't just text him and ask him, but 
that was yeah. my feeling on why the pacing was what it was. And like I said, didn't take away from the movie. I just think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more, or maybe I would have had a much clearer understanding towards the end had the pacing been slightly slower. Right. And see, I kind of think the pacing was the way it was. Um, kind of like the central theme of like fighting against time. Like, kind of like here's here it is. Like, there's there's no time for anything else. It's we got to get get the thing. So here's the movie, and it's gonna treat time that way, where it's just like boom, boom, boom. That's kind of how I thought it was, but. but well, yeah. and that could be it. The other thing that kind of fucking hurt when I watched that movie was. I don't know if you've noticed this. I've noticed this in a lot of shows that I've watched lately. Like it's even with the Sopranos mm-hmm. is um, the audio levels. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed that becoming more of a problem these days? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is like, is it that I'm getting older and my ears are turning to rubbish? Like I don't get it. Cause it seems like I never used to have any problems, but like as of late with some shows and some movies, I'll go in, I'll watch and like, I can hear the dialogue, but it's like they're focused. The audio levels for the background noise and stuff is higher. Yes. So I can't make out some of the so, dialogue. And so that- here's why that is. And it all has to do with like the audio codex and what you're putting them into. Right. Because if you think, so if you think when you go to a movie theater, um, like why all of it sounds good and why you maybe don't have a lot of those options is because you have like center channels that are just dialogue and then like your rear speakers are like here's your effects right and the sub behind you is the explosions right so all of the speakers are doing that and the movie audio format is meant for that right so that's the format you get when you get a blu-ray right plug that format into a stereo speaker on your tv and it jumbles all of that up yeah, right. I'm I'm following what you're saying and I and I understand, but I don't think that's the issue here because like Tenant is an example of this. I saw it in IMAX and there were several scenes where uh John Washington, John David Washington, whatever, him and uh I'm just gonna call him Twilight, Robert Pattinson, because I keep forgetting his name. God Fair enough, yeah. sorry. Anyway. Those two characters are talking and they're like, I don't know, out in a busy street. And I can barely hear what they're saying because the street noise is so loud. And this isn't a fucking IMAX theater. Not a theater playing IMAX, but a legitimate IMAX theater watching an IMAX filmed fucking movie. And it was the same thing when I saw fucking New Mutants. Most of the time it was good, but there were a few scenes where the characters are talking and there's someone swimming in the background and the water from them swimming is so loud that it like almost drowns out their voice. And I have to like lean forward and really pay attention to hear what they're saying. Oh, and when this was, and this happened throughout all of the Sopranos and the Sopranos like, yeah, granted codex, but like, this isn't like me, you know, streaming off a Cody with the Sopranos. This was straight off like the HBO streaming service where by all accounts they should have their fucking poop in a group. And I would have to like, for a talking scene, I would have to reach over, turn my speakers up. And then if there was any sort of action scene, it all of a sudden got stupid loud, the gunshots, the car chases, and I would have to turn the volume down. And then when the action scene was open over, turn the volume back up so I could hear the dialogue. Yeah. And that's, 
that's an issue of the audio formatting that HBO is making available to you because I've had that happen on Netflix where I've watched like a Netflix original and it's done the same thing and then I've looked into it and I'm like oh it's because it's it's because my you're piping like a 2.1 channel into like my 5.1 system I've I've had that happen on Netflix so I know exactly what you're saying yeah so it's it's fucking frustrating yeah it is um I will say this is a, a getting into some weird tech related stuff. Um, but if you watch stuff on Plex, it, uh, it will transcode and upscale and downscale some of that stuff really good. Will it? Yes. That's not going to solve my Netflix HBO Max fucking no. crave problems, though, no. unfortunately. No, it will not. Um, it will not do that. But, but yeah, I, 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 yes, I know that exact problem that you're that you're talking about. And it is frustrating. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't happen very often, and that had uh, the Netflix case. I remember what it was. It was uh, that Ben Affleck Charlie Hunnam action movie. It didn't support like a like a the audio format that it was piping to me was like no what like no <laughs> why yeah you'd yeah. think that they would fucking figure out ways to like with Netflix especially given the fact that like because we uh when we're laying in bed. Like my fiance and I, and we're like throw something on Netflix to like lay in bed and watch before we go to sleep or whatever. There's yep. lots of times where we pick a movie on Netflix and like we have to turn the volume up way fucking higher just to hear the dialogue. Mm-hmm. But given the fact that like Netflix is such a widely available streaming service that's on phones, that's built into TVs and shit like that, yep. surely Netflix fucking knows that not every single person watching Netflix has a like 5.1 or 7.1, even a dual channel fucking stereo yep. system going on, that all of their audio codecs at the very least should support a left and right fucking speaker yep. for a TV or for a fucking phone. Yep. And the fact that it doesn't and is selective and is bizarre. And more importantly, for the most part, when you are watching a Netflix show and you click the settings, you can't fucking change anything. Nope. Nope. Yeah. So yes. Very frustrating. But yes, yes that that was my gripe with Tenant is like, that's what it was yes. watching in IMAX. Oh, okay. In IMAX, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I can't hear these guys. Oh, okay. And like, the thing is, it's like, I'm like, maybe some people will be like, oh, well, it's because you're old and you're like, you're going deaf and you're hearing. And it's like, no. I routinely get hearing tests and my hearing tests are not like, I don't have abysmal hearing. Like my, yeah. my frequency response levels or whatever that my ears can detect are yeah. well within like normal and, ac- and acceptable ranges. I have no hearing loss and no hearing damage yeah. as of this point in my life. So can't feed me that nonsense. Yeah. No, it's just a matter of how they mix the movie and then, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a stupid problem, especially when Netflix won't let you change it, especially as someone that uh, that has a Plex server, and I can I can change all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and mind you, that's open source versus closed, right? But, mm-hmm. but yeah, a little bit of a weird tangent, but hey, yeah. What are we doing here if we can't have those? Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, tenant, I uh, I really liked it. I think um, John David Washington is going to have a very nice career, and I think Robert Pattinson will as well. I think we're going to see a lot more of both of them. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I like I like John 
on David Washington, mm-hmm. especially after Ballers. Like yeah. he fucking crushed it in that uh, in that series. And yeah. Robert Pattinson, I'm still hitting missing. I like when I saw that he was intended. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that, but he he did well. Yeah, I really I'm liked him. Still holding my breath to see how the Batman turns out. I have high hopes for that after I saw that trailer. Yeah, well, once upon a time I had high hopes for other movies that turned out to be shit. I yes. won't name them by name, but yes, this is true. I've had um, my heart crushed many a time. So. Yes, it's so by. But yeah, no, I I really liked um, him and Tenant. But yeah, solid movie. Big fan. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's all I got for the week. Yeah, I don't really have anything more to add at this point. All right. All right, well, I guess we'll uh, shut her down there, and I'll catch you on the next one. Later.